Welcome to the This Makes Me Uncomfortable podcast, where we discuss all the things that make us uncomfortable. I am your co-host, Allura. And I'm your other co-host, Jade. The summer is already coming to an end. Your tan lines are awkward, or sunburns for our melanin challenge listeners, but we know white people don't really listen to us. In any situation. And your ice cream gorging is no longer seasonal. It's just becoming sad. But this time of year is also back to school season. Equally exciting and also anxiety inducing. We're the teacher's pets that will also get the teachers fired. And we're here to help you gear up for a new academic year. Let's hit the cheerleaders. I mean the books. All right, Jade. It's been a while. But. Too long. I don't know how to do this anymore. (laughs) Want to share what you did this summer and hopefully it was uncomfortable or give us some kind of rant and convenience that happened. Oh, this summer has been super uncomfortable. I think I was, you know, I've, I've never been the person who's like, Ooh, summertime, time to break out the bikini and get slutty, y'all. I've never been that kind of person or like a drinks on the beach sort of person because I just have a hard time enjoying life in general. (laughs) But I think I was actually looking forward to this summer because the first half of the year was very difficult for me in a lot of ways. So I had this whole trip plan that I talked about during our travel episode. Um, And it didn't happen because of demon possession. My family was stricken by this exorcist caliber projectile vomiting virus that um, kind of just took everyone down the first night of our trip. So it wasn't even like the day before it happened the first night of the trip. So just when all that adrenaline is rushing and you're excited to get out and go away and get kitschy souvenirs and smash those pennies in those machines. It all came crumbling down in that first day. So I didn't get to do the trip to see family and to be in nature and to do all the things that I thought would be very healing for me uh, this summer. So, yeah, it's been really terrible. <laughs> Uh, the sun is out, but the mood is down. Uh, yeah, so when people ask me how my summer is, I'm just going to say, fuck you and your mother, too. Because that's how I'm feeling. But, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> what was something that was making you uncomfortable this summer, Laura? I know you had a much better trip than I did, because you had a trip. <laughs> Inevitably, when people ask you when school starts, how was your summer, Allura? What are you going to say to make them cringe and slink away? Um, well, that was a downer, Jade. Thank you for sharing. Um, oh, you're welcome. I'm always <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Um, I went to Japan this summer for three weeks, um, and that was equally amazing and uncomfortable in its own way. There was 15 of us, all family, um, and just like sharing (laughs) the same space and like hotel room with the same like people you live with for an extended amount of time is so infuriating and everyone wants to kill each other um especially because it was so hot as well it was like 94 percent humidity every single day um Mm. but that was great um and fun and exciting and i just like feel like a little weird and bad about like complaining (laughs) about like my trip you should it's i know it's like such like an amazing like opportunity and like chance to like travel but Mm the reality of it is like you have to pick people who you're going to be okay with um, for an extended amount of time, or it's just not going to go well. Um, Mm -hmm. It's also family. So you can't really choose that. Um, But it was, it was good. It was great, but I'm happy to be home. (laughs) Well, your company really makes or breaks the trip because those stressful situations of traveling, it really brings to the surface those qualities or foibles that uh, can great on your nerves was was there any characteristic about someone or even about yourself that rose to the surface during this trip that was really aggravating um yeah we all (laughs) simultaneously started hating one particular family member um and I won't say (laughs) who it is (laughs) um to kind of spare their feelings because I know family members listen to this for some reason um but (laughs) we all collectively started hating this one person in particular and it just made the whole like trip just like never ending and frustrating um and it was just but that's like with any like one person like you can spend mm-hmm. so much time with them and eventually you'll end up just being like oh my god how are you even alive right now <laughs> how are you a person um and i'm also like weird to say i'm usually the mediator in the family mm-hmm. even though like i cuz i just i'm like was that a necessary comment <laughs> to say even though I can sometimes be like super unnecessary all the time and yell at people but I knew I was going to be the mediator on this trip and that's exactly what happened maybe I'm just a self-fulfilling prophecy but who knows it can be very exhausting to be the Switzerland in the family but yeah I hear you even the most innocuous things get really irritating I notice a lot um I just like to couch things in very serious downer things, but in trauma therapy, they were like, oh, to regulate your nervous system, you should try tapping. But whenever I am traveling and someone is tapping their foot or tapping their fingers on something, 
it drives me batshit crazy. Like this fury just boils in my veins and I have to explode on that person. Like, why are you fucking tapping? Stop it. It makes me more anxious. So, so I tell this story to say that no trauma therapy will ever save me. So, well, I'm glad you had a good <laughs> So, now we're kind of, if summer goes by so quickly, I think the older you get, it feels like the shorter it is. But now we're, especially in a capitalist society, you know, mid-July, the back-to-school stuff is already out. They're gearing us up to buy, buy, buy. So there's pencils, notebooks, backpacks, all that good back-to-school gear. So I'm wondering, when you think back on these back-to-school years you had in grade school and college, but even now working in a college system where we literally go back to school every August... What school supply are you most invested in? Like, what is the back-to-school material that you feel really represents your identity? And if you don't get it right, your year is ruined and you're a terrible student and person. Yes. Um, this was such a big part of <laughs> school. Um, and I remember getting those, like, supply, like, lists from, like, your teachers in, like, grade school and I was, like, so excited because I just love, like, all the different things and supplies. I'm very much, like, a things person. Like, I like to have possessions. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so I remember I always needed, like, a bag. Like, what was the bag that was going to get me through all the hardship this year? <laughs> Where and will you carry all like, I remember really needing to invest in, like, a sturdy, like, binder or notebook. Oh, sturdy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I would also, like, put, like, in the binder, like, things that, like, rep- I've always been, like, big on, like, collages. Mm-hmm. As you can see. Because <laughs> I feel like pictures, like, and, like, just representation, like, it just represents who you currently are as a person. And so I wanted the binder to show who I was as a person because I didn't really talk or I was very shy and reserved. So I wanted that to be kind of like a representation of me, even though I wasn't like being social and I wasn't putting myself out there. I still wanted some like subliminal message. Um, And then also like, what? I was just going to say that's a very uncanny similarity between us because growing up, well, at least in my teenage years, my walls were collaged from ceiling to floor as well. And I would always decorate my binder with pictures that I felt really emblematized who I was that year. Because it was easier to communicate and try to connect with people based on shared interests, like a band or a TV show or movie or whatever, rather than saying something personal about myself. So I'd always advertise that on my binder or on my backpack or like when I was a punk rocker, I had patches all over all my sweaters and jackets. So if someone liked the same band, boom, you were friends and we didn't have to talk about connection. Yeah, exactly. So that is something that we definitely have in common. Oh my god! Oh god look at us. Your <laughs> collage of this semester. Um. Yeah. 
And then I also like I'm such a color coding person, so I always needed the color coding pens or markers or whatever it was that year that it needed. Mm, making OCD beautiful. Yes. You know, I used to take notes in class, but if like I they just went too fast, I would literally redo the notes at home mm-hmm. in like my color coding system. Yeah. Like if I like it was too much in the moment there. And everyone was like, Laura, what are you doing? How yeah. why are you making so much work? And I was like, you don't get it. Like, <laughs> I need the color coding system or I can't focus. There was something really satisfying about recopying words and getting your uh, <laughs> your fonts just right. Turning the human to machine. I remember redoing my A's because I thought it was super cool. When I changed schools, I noticed that some kids were doing the computer A in their handwriting. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm going to do that. And so I'd spend time retraining my hand and my brain to write that way. So I'd redo notes as well. So I think we're finding a lot of shared mental illness this episode. I was just going to say these are all very telling of our (laughs) mental Hours we wasted on collages, carefully cutting out magazine pictures and recopying notes. How are we still alive? <laughs> like one third of our lives have been wasted on this nothing. It's very. I, I know too that another thing we've had in common that we've talked about before is our our interest in stickers, how we love stickers, but we were too anxious to use them. So we stockpiled all these stickers for fear of not finding the right place or time or person to stick it on. Mm -hmm. Fear of permanence, I guess. (laughs) Fear of committing. Um, Yeah. You know, because like, it was such a rare sticker. I mean, it came in like a pack. Like, but I was just like, what if I found another better place to put this? And it was, it's too late because I already committed to putting it there. Yeah. And what if you use the last one and then you can never get that sticker back? Yeah. This is severe attachment issues I'm coming to realize with stickers. Yes, a fear of loss. And I also feared that if I made a mistake, I was unlovable. So I would be thrown in the dumpster by Oh my gosh. Okay, beef. I texted you when. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As I was watching it, and this is a spoiler alert if you haven't watched it, just like skip through this point. But I still like (laughs) have never felt more understood or seen from the show (laughs) before in my life like that one specific scene I think it was like on episode seven or eight like when um Ali Wong's character is like having flashbacks of her childhood and her like childhood like I don't know demon like person Mm -hmm. comes and like is overseeing her doing bad things and she was like don't tell anyone mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. the was like I would never and she was like why she was like yeah. no one would love you if they knew your secrets and I was just like oh my god <laughs> it's funny because if I talk about that show with anyone else besides you they're like wow that was really dark and intense I'm like that is literally my interior monologue all day yeah. long every day. 
<laughs> no, I were yeah. I like Steph was watching it and I was just like trying to like, you know, connect with her on the content and she had the typical just like white response and was like, "No, like that is unhealthy. Like that's not <laughs> normal." And I was just like Okay. <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah, just even something as a name as a sticker misplaced or ooh, when you put it on and it gets a little wrinkled or akimbo, that is grounds for being disowned from your family and no one ever loving you because of all the mistakes you've made. It just you're trash. Yeah. So we have that. <laughs> But I will raise you one and say that my most prized school supply was a feat of your people's engineering. Japan gifted us the mm -hmm. Sanrio pencil boxes. The oh my gosh. Yes, with the color-coded buttons and you'd press it and like out would pop a sharpener or a secret drawer where you could tuck little treasures inside and keep all those secrets from everyone around you. So it was like very systematic and structured, which appeased my need for order and stability and familiarity, but it also enabled me to keep secrets mm -hmm. as well. So it was like the embodiment of all of my emotional problems yeah. was that Sanrio pencil box. Oh, and the magnetic lid. Oh, honey, so satisfying. Clicking it shut, pulling it open, and it would always close perfectly in the puffy top. Ugh, Asian American girl's dream. It was pretty elite. What, what? Do you remember which one you had? I remember, like, going to, like, the Asian markets when it was, like, time for school supplies because they always had, like, the best. And I, I think I would just collect them over the years. Like, I always needed, like, mm -hmm. the newest one or, like, one that would suit me. So I think I had, like, multiple of them. Mm. That hurts because... <laughs> I I didn't get new school supplies or school clothes every year, so I really treasured that mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I I totally agree. I would try to collect Sanrio stuff as much as possible. Like going, this is back when there was an actual Sanrio store, and just to get a pencil or whatever my mom could afford, it felt so special to have this collection. And I, I think my mom, even though she didn't have the money to afford that stuff, she really indulged me because of, she grew up in a childhood where there was none of that stuff and she didn't have that whole collecting experience. And uh, she made me feel bad about it, but she still got it for me. <laughs> Spoiled. And that's mother. love. <laughs> What's a little love without making someone feel guilty for all that they are and all that they have? But um, I think that was one of the things that made me super anxious about going back to school, too, is I was always afraid of being judged that I didn't 
have a new wardrobe or a new backpack or new shoes all the time. I remember there was a couple years where I had to make my shoes last as long as possible and I was getting ingrown toenails because my toes were pressing against the shoes they were too tight and I was recycling clothes and um it's really fucked up the way kids get trained to be like you wore that in third grade. Um it's like what the fuck are you <laughs> picking our noses and like, <laughs> like we're just kids but there's all of this classist stuff going on so I felt really nervous going back to school some years because I didn't have the coolest newest thing and that got way worse when I moved from LA to Orange County where people were more affluent and had all the brand names and I just felt a lot of pressure to beg my mom for this, that, and the other. And my dad, when I would see my dad, he would actually take me to the mall to buy clothes every year. So I was grateful for that because that was a moment where I felt like, oh, I could keep up with the Joneses here. And oh, this is like a whole assimilation thing too because most of the kids in Orange County were white or Korean. So they had all this more money and I was trying to fit in and act and dress like them. So I was, um, it was sad. (laughs) (laughs) So I always felt worried about being judged on the material stuff, but also my behavior and the way that I talked. So that part of back to school was really nerve wracking of, oh my gosh, am I going to fit in with these new kids? And also, um, I know we've talked about this off air a lot, but that fear of, not being liked by the teacher oh my god yes I just put the teachers on such a pedestal because I really needed an adult figure especially a woman figure to like me and praise me and validate me so I was always so nervous going back to school of making sure that this teacher liked me and I I wanted the teacher to have a routine that I could adjust to and excel at because school was really the only place where I could get that validation. So what I'm saying is school was a place where all of my emotional problems were on turmoil. (laughs) Uh, A walking mess from kindergarten on. But uh, what made you most nervous about going to school, especially as a kid? Um, just all the social interaction. Like, because I've mentioned this multiple times. I was literally deathly shy of everyone and everything. Like, I think I wanted the teachers, like, to like me. But actually, I wanted just to, like, not... I just wanted to blend in. Like, it would be okay if they didn't knew, know my name. Like, as long as I wasn't making a scene or, like, mm-hmm. I wasn't doing too much, like, where they would, like, praise me. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I really just wanted to, like, blend in to the crowd and not make myself noticeable to others. Because um, I just didn't want that attention. Um, but I wanted mm-hmm. them to like me. <laughs> Dude, I hear you on that. It's a super tricky balance, too, because you want to do well enough where you're not drawing attention for being bad or getting in trouble, 
but you also don't want to do so well that they're nominating you for an award or asking you to do more or stand out or making other kids look at you as an example of what to be. That was fucking mm-hmm. equally humiliating as getting in trouble because I felt so exposed. And also, that's probably the seeds of imposter syndrome, too. Like, <laughs> little ribbon my certificate that says this I don't deserve this um oh I remember once I got a citizenship award which come on (laughs) you picked the wrong candidate there (laughs) but it was so funny because um this was like one of the few times that my mom got off work and like came to the assembly room to watch me get this award and the person, whatever teacher was announcing the names, I guess the handwriting was messy, but she pronounced my name Jekyll, because I don't think the the D was connected, so it looked like a C-L. Jekyll Hildy? <laughs> and I remember hearing that, and nobody else was getting up. I was like, who the fuck is Jekyll? <laughs> And then I looked back at my mom and my mom goes, baby, and she's like waving, like, that's you, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Like, did the slumped walk of shame up and be like, yes, I'm Jekyll Hildy. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that that is a moment that that really scarred me. Mm -hmm. I should have changed my name to Jekyll Hildy. Just to see the look of confusion on people's faces when they read my ID or something. Oh, that was so funny. Yeah, I'm always confused, too, when uh, people read my I mean, people always mispronounce my last name. I, in fact, mispronounced my last name until I was in college. And I was like, wait, what? But when people would mispronounce Jade... I always How think, do you mispronounce Jade? It's a word. Like it's not just a name. It's a word. It's a mineral, like a gem that exists in nature. Like how do you not? And it's just one syllable, and it looks like how it's spelled. <laughs> so, but I guess that's one of the other anxiety-inducing things about going back to school is that roll call. Of oh yeah, dating. Did did people mispronounce your name a lot, or get it wrong, or call you something different? It was more of like my last name. Like, cause I, like my last name is hyphenated. And so I would have to explain, like, it starts with Murray and it's not mm-hmm. Cruz. Like, so people would hear it and they would look in the C's and I was like, no, 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 it's, and they're like, that doesn't make sense. And I was like, Ugh. you know, so <laughs> that, was people- that was like always the worst. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, my name being Allura, that's kind of, like, a rare name. So they would always make comments. They're like, oh, we've never heard that before. Oh, that's really pretty. I'm like, please, like, go to someone else. (laughs) Like, stop calling me. (laughs) It's about changing your name. I used to hate it because I used to want to, you know, those souvenirs that has, like, the Mm. stereotypical, like, regular names. I used to be so upset because I could never find them. But now I'm very thankful of the name that I have. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how did Steph choose Allura? One of her sisters 
um friends like in high school or middle school or something had like come over and i think their name was like i don't know if it was like straight allura or if it was like allure like some type of um name similar to that and she really liked it and so when i was born my dad wanted to name me like a tomorrow name and Steph didn't like them. I think another one, like my grandma wanted to name me Francis and she was like, absolutely not. And so she came up with Allura. <laughs> there is like a strong contingent in island cultures that pick up very old lady names. I, yes. That must be like a church thing. It is it? a church thing. Yeah. Because yeah. Oh. Yeah, a lot of Filipinos that are like Francis and Beatrice and yes. like all old school names. Yeah. Church, am I right? <laughs> Put on a bank sale, why don't you? Oh, yeah. It was always kind of uh, demoralizing when you couldn't find the keychain with your name on it. Yeah. You just, you want to be seen sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes if a teacher mispronounced my name, I'd be too afraid mm-hmm. to correct them and then it's like that for the rest of the year yeah because it's your elders and they're an authority figure so you just don't want them to feel bad or embarrassed and who am i to say oh yeah here's how you have to pronounce these vietnamese and norwegian things like who am i to say any of that um so it was always about keeping the peace now were there classes i guess this is like high school and college where you were just really bad at it and felt like you were disappointing your teachers all the time? Like, what was your worst subject, I guess? My worst subject has always been math. Mm-hmm. Two plus three. <laughs> I remember in my sophomore year, I had to take, like, Algebra 2. And that was, like, the only time I got, like, a D in a class Mm because I just could not get the content and also I had like this terrible like math teachers are always the worst like they just don't know I think it's their (laughs) like how their brain works because like math people and like math stem people think differently Mm -hmm. than like the writing and like the arts people and so I feel like math teachers just don't know how they think very analytically and like they just don't know really how to like teach and like have that kind of human empathetic involvement in like what it takes to teach someone hard concepts Mm -hmm. and so I also couldn't really understand her they had like this really thick german accent and she frightened me so i never asked questions so i just totally tanked that class and so i had to take it again with this other teacher who was very nice he reminded me of santa claus um and i would like stay at lunch to like get extra help because i was like this is the second time i'm taking this class like i need a pass um and then math wasn't required for senior year so i didn't take it and he was like ho 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 young lady (laughs) sit on my i'll show you how to divide (laughs) exactly um 
so yeah, math has always been so terrible for me. I just can't do it. I've always struggled and I've always cried and had mental breakdowns yeah. with numbers. Math is challenging because it's it was never for me put in a context. I know there's got to be great math teachers out there and I know we know one person who's going to become a math teacher. And she don't understand her. She is just a superhuman sent to earth yes. and gotta have Danny on the podcast sometimes so she can share her glory with the rest of the world but other than that I think you know even when I became a teacher I was like oh, okay let me give these math teachers a chance maybe get to know them nah <laughs> very disappointing people very very disappointing um so it just it seemed useless to me because it wasn't connected and I know I know it's not useless, but there was no one to show me how this applied. And I really wish they would just show you how to do taxes and literally more useful things that you use in everyday life. Yeah, like I never use algebraic equations to find like the perimeter of two adjacent yards split by a parallelogram or an intersecting byline. And I know if anybody's listening and they're like, that's not mathematically <laughs> you suck. Turn on this podcast. We don't need you listening. But you know, it's just all of this it's just very academic. It feels very colonial. Like here's all these big words and concepts that we're gonna tell you that you need to know, but it has no practical usage in your life to live successfully. So it just feels like this elitist way to be like, oh, here's these benchmarks of things that you've been told you need to know. So jump, monkey, jump. You know, it's just so stupid. Um, my worst subject <laughs> <laughs> was friendship. <laughs> um, it was chemistry. Ooh. Yeah, that one was rough. Okay, so my chemistry teacher in high school was a fascinating little man. He looked <laughs> like a real-life Luigi, Luigi Mario from Mario yeah. Brothers. Crazy. It, it was uncanny. The mustache, the big eyes, the kind of second-tier character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Total sidekick. A very short little man. And he was so small and compact. Also very hairy, too. I remember he'd wear these... Uh, yeah, God, he was such a science teacher. He'd wear these button-up shirts, the, the thin white ones where you could see his... Uh, I don't know what else to call them besides a wife beater. I know that that's offensive to a lot of people, but you know what I mean. The wife beater tank top underneath, and then he'd have a pocket protector in the front pocket with all of his different pens and things. So such a science teacher. And he was so little, but he had this voice that would over-modulate. It was so extreme. It was, it was like whoever created human beings was like, we're going to create this little person, and then we're going <laughs> to... Put all octaves of the human voice box into this one little body. Because he'd get up in front of class and he'd be like, Hello, class! <laughs> We're going over to the periodic table today. And so I was literally so distracted by this roller coaster of voice mm -hmm. that I would just be giggling in the corner, like, What the fuck? <laughs> Like, how is he making his voice do that? It was such, it was like watching a live cartoon. And so I was so distracted by that. I couldn't, 
listen to anything he was saying, and then we get into this periodic table, and that doesn't make any fucking sense. And you gotta memorize all of these different combinations of things, and I just wanted to blow shit up. Experiment. <laughs> Stuff, but I hadn't passed any of the tests to qualify for the safety regulations to run an experiment. So here I am. By the way, this is an AP class too, because by some administrative mistake, I was in all these AP classes in high school and uh, couldn't afford to take any of the AP tests. So pff, what a waste of time. So I'm just sitting in this AP chemistry class watching all these smart white and Korean people who went on to do amazing things. And I'm just sitting there in the corner with my torn sweatshirts being like, isn't that cool? They made bubbles. And uh, yeah, I think that I got a D that first semester. I think maybe I raised it to a C minus because I passed chemistry. But uh, it was terrible. It was the first time at school that I just couldn't understand anything that was happening whatsoever. It was very, very disorienting. And my brother's a biochemist, so. Oh, God. Yeah, so the, yeah, those genes skipped me. Like, you know, the STEM, like, career fields, I have no idea what they do. Like, I don't know what a biochemist does. So when you buy shampoos and stuff, a lot of times, from what my brother has explained to me, in a very condescending layperson language (laughs) is that there's certain chemicals that bind the ingredients in shampoo. That's what a biochemist does. It's crazy. Like find ways to put these chemical materials together so that they don't burn your fucking scalp off. But he's also applied for jobs like the, um, the lacquer that they put on the rides at Disneyland. Like, so all these things. So like minute stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. But uh, so much of our daily life depends on a biochemist's ability to put those materials together so that it's safe and non-toxic. And he has done research with like sustainable lighting, for instance, like finding new ways to create LED bulbs. I think we've just lost like 45 listeners in the past 30 seconds because this is highly. Yeah. This is crazy. But yeah, biochemists do that, but they also can create meth and create bombs. (laughs) There's that. Biochemists also do that. (laughs) Let's not forget about nuclear war. Yep. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) The show The Americans. This is a very question, but it's about KGB agents in the 80s. The season that I'm watching now because I'm 10 years behind on all TV mm-hmm. is they're dealing with um, uh, bio weapons so you know viruses that they can put in the water to kill a whole country so that's biochemistry too interesting yeah I like the mass destruction mm-hmm. of biochemistry that sounds like fun and exciting yeah. to be a part of way better than making shampoo yeah we don't care about that. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a really embarrassing, traumatic moment from school? Yeah, I believe there was like 15 years of them. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of um, one that will make you laugh. 
all of them are very sad. I mean, there's always ones where you fall in front of everyone. Oh, terrible. Yeah, one time I knocked a tooth out uh, by falling. (laughs) (laughs) It just fell flat on my face. There were other times in elementary school. So my elementary school was in Pedro, and it was very highly racially segregated. And, of course, I didn't fit into any group, so I was often alone. Uh, And it seemed like a lot of the bullying came from girls who saw me as a a weak and easy target, like the slow gazelle, you know? Uh, Why did I choose gazelle? Let's say slow walk. So it was easy to attack me. So I remember a couple of times, like one time the sixth grader, she was throwing away her lunch and then just came like running full force at me and knocked me down like a linebacker. And this was during lunchtime where everyone was at the tables and everyone at the school saw it, including the lunch ladies and the volunteer, like the parent moms who volunteered during lunchtime and all the playground supervisors. They all looked at me. Not a single person helped me up. Oh my gosh. And I had my lunch tray when she knocked me down. So there was all of the, like, like fruit cup, the fruit syrup. It was spilled all over me. All the food, disgusting food that I got through state-given lunch tickets was all over my fucking ill-fitting clothes because I didn't get back-to-school stuff. And I'm just laid out, and my elbows are all scraped up. My palms are scraped up because I tried to stop my fall. Like, I skidded because this kid was big. Like, she was a sixth grader, so she just fucking knocked me flat. And so I'm like bleeding and covered in food and everyone's just looking at me. And I had to like get up and clean myself off and just suck it up. I was too embarrassed to go to the nurse's office because then I would have had to walk all the way around the lunch area. So I just went out and hit that tetherball to myself. (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot of that. There was this really hot girl named Angelina. She was like overly sexualized too and she was part of like the Mexican group at school and she was super cool her hair was always done she had jewelry on she wore booty shorts and for some reason in third grade I was like oh my god she's so beautiful (laughs) and she used to like just randomly hit me or kick me and make all of her friends laugh and uh that's probably why I never pursued uh relationship with women (laughs) hot girls will always kick my ass (laughs) so anyway there's a lot of those i can go on for the rest of the podcast but do you have any embarrassing moments or bullying that you would like to trauma dump (laughs) (laughs) yeah I remember I was bullied in elementary school. I don't know, like, what. I think I probably blocked it out. Um, But I remember it it was really just, because I also wasn't speaking, you know, and so that was, like, really hard. And I just remember coming back to my parents and being like, I'm being bullied and I don't know what to do. And they, I, like, remember them telling me, like, they're like, just call them out on their shit. Like, (laughs) you know just like stand your ground like oh 
you know? And so I think I did that. I don't remember what the situation was, but I remember after that, like, I wasn't bullied by them again. Um, And I think that was, like, the first time I felt, like, good about myself and that I was, like, able to stand up for myself. Um, Yeah, but I was just always, like, held back by, like, my shyness. Like, I remember this one time... (laughs) I wanted to get like the school lunches like this one week and so like my mom like put the money in like the school account or whatever but I was so deathly shy of like actually standing in line and going Mm. up because I never did it before that I literally like didn't get it that whole week like I went to school like the entire day without eating and I didn't even tell my mom about it she like got a call from the school to be like hey she <laughs> has an outstanding like you know she still has like funds in she was like Alora, did you not eat this whole week and I was like yeah about that no I didn't <laughs> and I also remember like in second grade we had this one assignment where we had to like tell everyone about like we had to do a presentation on ourselves and like all of our favorite things and I remember that was so like anxiety inducing Mm -hmm. because like I had to like stand in front of like my whole class and tell them intimate details about myself in second grade and I remember this one girl like laughed after the presentation and I was destroyed that entire day afterwards what did you say that made her laugh? What was she laughing at? I don't even remember. I don't know. I've I block out <laughs> so many things. I don't have details. I just remembered the feeling. Mm, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice though that you block out the details because I feel like when things like that happened, I would replay it in my head over and over again till this day. And beat myself up for it. Like, that was so stupid. Why did you say that? So I was silent in school because I was trying to minimize the things that would replay. And that's an unfortunate thing when you're a quiet kid because people think it's easy to make fun of you and that you'll just take it. Which is really cool that you stood up for yourself and that your your family was supporting you in in standing up to bullying, which, I mean, when I was growing up, here's our generational difference. Bullying wasn't even a word that we talked about. So it's nice that you had people, I mean, I would pay top dollar to see what you yelled at that kid that one day that made you feel confident of yourself, that it was vicious. <laughs> um, but I remember being, I, just being so silent, this this one girl named Valerie, she's such an asshole. I think maybe I've talked about her before, but she had all these different like color coordinated bows for all of her outfits. And her mom was the room mom every year that I was in class with her. And she was always there on campus. This lady just had nothing else to do, but she would make fun of me in front of everyone because I never contributed to class parties. You know, when you got to bring food or you celebrate someone's birthday, which by the way, it's fucked up because I have a summer birthday. And so I never got any kind of birthday celebration. Now at school, they're like, let's do one for everyone, no matter when you're born, inclusive, diversity, equity. But back in the eighties, that was like, oh, you're born in August. (laughs) Too bad. So sad your mom was slutting it up around Thanksgiving time. 
So I never got any of that and was too poor to contribute anything else. And this lady would just make fun of me and ridicule me. And I was so silent that I never spoke up. So all the kids in my class had this adult who was making fun of me. So they would just pile on. And it was very frustrating. And like your lunch line uh, situation, I had back in the day. So now things have actually gotten better because at schools now, everybody gets a lunch no matter what. There's food for everyone. And when I volunteer in my kids' classes, like if there's kids with no snacks, uh, like this past year, I asked for parents to donate snacks. So everybody always had a snack because I could see those kids just like sitting there silently afraid to ask for anything. And I was definitely that kid. So we had these lunch tickets they were yellow and blue and I they were perforated so every day I'd pull one off and I'd hold it in my palm so tightly it'd be all sweaty and crinkled and the lunch lady would be like ugh <laughs> did it but sometimes I would tear the wrong day if I got the date wrong and you were just shit out of luck if you had the wrong date which is really fucked up because if you're in first grade and you think it's the 15th instead of the 14th and you bring in the wrong lunch ticket you just don't eat all day (laughs) and then I was in latchkey so I was in um or what is now like kids club or after school program and so I would be on campus till like six o'clock at night (laughs) eating anything yeah so it was (laughs) and then I would never say anything because I was too embarrassed so I I'm probably bad at chemistry because I was malnourished. Mm-hmm. That part of my brain didn't develop, didn't have enough proteins or whatever. Proteins, as Mr. Locato would say. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that with every generation that goes by, people are going to talk about bullying, how to stand up to it, and hopefully things are getting better. I, th- I think they are. Um, yeah, I, I think bullying is necessary. Hot take. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what kind of bullying do you think is constructive? I think that bullying builds character. (laughs) Not like the severe, like, you know, hazing or like those like extreme cases, but I think kids just need to be picked on a little bit every once in a while to humble them and also to deal with it. Like not everyone is going to like you. Not everyone is like going to be your biggest fan. Sometimes people are going to pick on you just because they can, or because they, it makes them feel good. And so like, you need to know how to deal with that because they're always, you're always going to come across people who are going to do that to you throughout your Mm -hmm. life, you know? Yeah. And so when we shield kids from like, this recurring pattern and behavior I don't think we're doing them any favors you know like they need some kind of conflict and hardship in order to like deal with it and like know how to yeah yeah because there's always going to be problems I think the best thing we can do is teach kids how to deal with problems now at my kids school they have these charts and these spaces in the classrooms for the they call it social emotional learning so if you have a conflict with one of your classmates this chart gives you lots of different strategies for how to address it 
so I think they're trying to say that, like, okay, you guys are going to have conflicts. You are going to fight on the playground, and you're going to hate sitting next to each other, but how do you deal with it? So I think that is getting better, like, how to talk about it, how to deal with it, because it's always going to happen. And I agree, I don't think we necessarily need to shield kids from that, because I think it's an important lesson to learn that not everybody is for you and to let go of that. <laughs> like, just let go of people, because fuck them, you know? Like, you can't get hung up on that. But I also don't want it to go so far as... When, when people say things like, oh, you had a hard childhood, or you had this hard time, that's what made you strong. I don't think that is the case. Like, I don't think we need to have these traumatic experiences to become a strong person, but we do need to just know how to deal with those mm-hmm. difficult but um sometimes bullying is just kind of fun too i i think that i am a bully in life now but a good bully (laughs) (laughs) do you have an example of your good bullying um well you know sometimes i just some people are just overconfident (laughs) I just just need to knock them down a peg just to like let them know you know yeah you keep them humble yeah I like it is that I I know like I bully Kaylee all the time but Mm -hmm. he deserves it yeah because he's too happy and it's so irritating you know so like in Mm -hmm. those instances that's fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the difference is, like, I know he can take it. You know, like, if I was just bullying someone who, like, was just weak-minded in general, mm-hmm. that would be fucked up. Yeah. Well, that's good, because you read people enough to tell. It's yeah. not, like, to everyone. Like, I tell. only bully my loved ones, you know? It is uh, its own love language, it's, for sure. Yeah. Like, if and I it- mean to you or bully you, it means I, like, love you. It is a really good way to filter out the people who can handle you, too. Yeah. Like, I notice that sometimes I'll make a joke anywhere in public. People <laughs> cringe. I'm like, oh, well, you're not for me because you don't get that. Yeah. So I, I agree. It's, it's a form of love. It's how you can tell who's meant to be around you. Mm-hmm. And now I know that when you're mean to me, it's because you love me. Also, I'm, like, never mean to you because I love you so much and I want you to love me uh oh mixed messages (laughs) (laughs) I'm just full of juxtapositions and mixed messaging keeps it spicy Yes. did you ever have teachers that you made fun of because that was one of my favorite things to do in school I think I was always afraid of them, so I didn't really, like, make fun of them. Hmm. Did you have a teacher that you can say now made you really uncomfortable or you didn't like? I was trying to think of one, and I don't think I can't. Like, I remember there was, like, some teachers in my middle school, like, there was rumors that they were maybe um, pedophiles, but I never took them (laughs) Never so I wasn't exposed to that, thank goodness. Um, yeah, I just remember I had really mean teachers. 
Mm. But it wasn't like molesty type uncomfortable, which was good. Were they mean? (laughs) (laughs) That's generally good. That's where we stand on that. Yeah. TMMU's official statement. (laughs) Molesting pedos, not good. Not good. And I stand by that statement. (laughs) All around on this episode. Yeah, I had a lot of mean teachers too. My kindergarten teacher, you think kindergarten teachers would be loving or whatnot Mm -hmm. because you're fucking five and still shitting your pants sometimes. But man, my kindergarten teacher, Miss Spinelli, I hope she's rotting somewhere. She would just humiliate me. Every just unsolicited humiliation. Be playing kickball or whatever, and I'm running the bases, and she'd go, "Oh, look at Jade! Oh, this is and she's had like flailing her arms, like I'm just some kind of rag doll." Um, and then she would just make fun of my voice because I well, was a real quiet talker and I'd kind of mumble. And she was just so mean. And then second grade, I think I blocked <laughs> <second grade. laughs> So traumatized by kindergarten. And then second grade, I had this lady named Mrs. Sam. And both of these ladies had those really short haircuts uh-huh. that were puffed up at the front. Yeah. That was kind of a true Karen, you know, mm-hmm. and they had pleated skirts very Mm. severe very german um mrs sam oh my god she just yelled until her face turned red and she'd shout at the top of her lungs so i really tried to stay on her good side i just sat with my hands folded i remember one time though a student in front of me dropped a pencil uh, while she was talking and i leaned over to pick it up and hand it to them and she was like jay what are you doing? You're not listening to me! I'm just on the leash. I just scared Sorry. And so she just made me wilt. Um, part of my spirit died in second grade. Speaking of pedophiles in sixth grade, when I moved to... <laughs> I moved to a new school... And it was the first time I had a male teacher and his name, uh, oh, I won't say his name, but he, he seemed like a really nice guy. I was like, wow, I have a male teacher. This guy's cool. He looks kind of Asian. So maybe he's one of these mixed magic people. And so I was just really enjoying like, oh, I hate being at a new school because I hate all these fucking white kids making fun of me all the time. But at least I have a good teacher. Halfway through the year, he's been fired for touching <gasps> students inappropriately. Not the diddling sixth graders. Yes. And you know what's really messed up? My first thought was, he never touched me. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> Pretty enough. <laughs> that would be my same thought too. It would be a little hurt. <laughs> Can't even get a pedophile's attention. Oh my gosh. Um, I think my favorite teacher though was uh, okay. So in high school, when you had to pick a language. I was being very counterculture because I was very punk rock. So I didn't choose Spanish, which is one of the dumbest decisions I've ever made. What did I do? I chose German because that's what we use a lot here in Southern (laughs) 
So I chose German and my teacher was the literal fucking king at medieval times. That's crazy. And he ha- he looked the part. He had the full beard, the long curly ringlets. Like that's just how he looked. But sad life. He drank from the same coffee cup every day and it looked like he never washed it because oh. it was stained brown on the inside. And he rotated two sweaters and one I remember had a landscape of a forest with eagles soaring over the treetops and the other one was just more of a plain striped thing. Same pants every day. And you might be saying, well, Jade, be understanding. Maybe he had like three or four pairs of the same dockers. No, because he would drip his coffee one day and that stain would be on the very same pants the next day. Yes. <laughs> every tog, which today, every tog, he wore the same clothes. So me and my friends would make fun of him because he was just so evidently sad. Here was a king, <laughs> a veritable king, who was living the scumbaggiest life as a German high school teacher. That's crazy. He claimed that he knew 12 languages, which I think qualifies you as like Mensa status genius. But it's hard to imagine that if you were a genius, mm-hmm. you would wear the same clothes every day and drink out of the same cup. And um, he would often leave the classroom. I'm not sure to do what. But um, his, his name was Mr. Harrell. And in German, the word for Mr. is hair. So it was hair Harrell. <laughs> And so me and my friends just got going with alliteration. So if he would leave the class and the classroom phone would ring, we'd answer it. Herr Harrell's house of hot hung hunks. <laughs> and then that just rolled into this whole backstory of his. And um, But yeah, we never knew much about him because when we'd ask him a question, he'd pause for a really long time and just smile. Maybe it was something he learned at medieval times, like to look cool if someone speaks to you, just stand there and smile. And but it was he was a very unsettling person to be around. He seems very unsettling. Yeah, he but seems like a very interesting man. I would love if he's still alive today. I would love to go interview him and be like, "Yo, what is up?" And why, after four years of German, do I only remember Geburtstag, birthday, and Flughafen? <laughs> why? Why is that all he can remember? Again, remember wait. This, um, now that you're telling me about this one teacher, it reminded me of this other crazy person. He wasn't crazy. He was just strange. He taught, like... Um, I think it was like criminal studies, something like that. Ooh. And I had him like in my junior year. <laughs> this man was so weird. He would always make comments about his ex-wives. Oh. And like every time, it was like a different ex-wife. So we're just like, how many do you have? And he would always say like something like terrible about them or like something terrible about marriage or something and it was always so funny and just like so random like we were not talking about that at all 
but we were obviously <laughs> talking about like murder and crime and so he would make analogies to his ex-wife's and then he would just like leave the classroom for like long periods of time to go murder his ex-wife and we would all just be like working on things like he wasn't lecturing like he would just give us busy work but then he would completely disappear for like long chunks of time and then like randomly he would blast i forgot what the song was but it was like is he playing this again and he would play the music video like i remember the music video clearly and i remember we were taking a final and he was just blasting it on repeat wait what was the song i can't remember i always like randomly remember and i ask like my friend who was also in the class and she's just like oh my gosh and she sends me the link i can't remember what it is right now but it was like it was from the 80s or 90s and it was just this weird song that he always played and it was the only song he ever played he was just a very strange man but he passed away like a couple years ago and i was just like wow oh i wonder if they ever found the bodies <sighs> i know but i bet that's a the- fun person he was <laughs> professor he probably played that song for his ex-wives as he slowly poisoned them 100 percent. it was very strange he was a very strange man that's fun at least he taught you something about marriage yeah you know life lessons yeah i i feel as a teacher i feel really bad for teachers because they're in front of kids to all day long oftentimes who are very merciless and making fun of them so if you were a teacher mm-hmm. what do you think your students would say about you when they talk about you behind your back Ooh, well I know because I've thought about like maybe becoming a professor or something I feel I like I would run a tight ship because that's just <laughs> yeah so I think they would probably call me a bitch and just complain about my teaching style and course load, which is fine because I understand I'm very militant in that way. But I would hope that they would be like, they would respect me. <laughs> they'd be like, at the end of the year, they'd be like, oh, I get it. Like, Well, I- you. You expect a lot from people. You have a high standard for people, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. But I think they would just hate the journey the entire time. Mm-hmm. And then, but, like, they would understand at the end when they got the results. Yeah. They would learn a lot, for sure. Yeah. Hmm. So, you actually have the great privilege of having been a student of mine. Yeah. So, what students say about me behind my back? Let me have it. Literally, no one says anything bad about you ever. It's more of... You're a um, liar. I'm not, actually. And I've been around for a while and have come to (laughs) a lot of students of yours. And they all love you so much. But they still are acting up and, like, not performing. And so it's mostly, like, them being hard on themselves. Mm, So I'm... I'm like the ultimate gaslighter. I make people feel bad about themselves. Yes. Ooh. Everyone loves you. You're like the best like professor ever known to man. No. Okay. Here's what I think they would say about me. 
If I was a student in my own class, this is what I would say about me. Number one, lonely. <laughs> like, she's way too connected to the characters in these books we're reading. <laughs> um, number two, looks like she has the beginnings of a hunchback. <laughs> number three, skin. Number four... <laughs> simultaneously <laughs> over and under emotional. The Pretty under and over emotional is crazy. That is very good um, feedback on yourself. I think so. Cause sometimes I'm just crying full yeah. force. And then other times I'm just dead. Yes. And mm-hmm. there's no between, but I love that. <laughs> you love that. <laughs> You would, because we're in the same sticker club, honey. (laughs) Oh, you know, but, uh, you know, being a teacher is really hard. And I think because you and I were both silent kids, I'm always shocked that I chose this as a profession. Yeah, it is strange. Like, why? (laughs) I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. But just the sheer idea of standing in front of other human beings and speaking is creates a debilitating anxiety almost and I know when I get into class I just kind of switch it off and I perform it's just like an act uh but it makes me so anxious that I'm on the verge of barfing it's like the chunks are behind my teeth before every class for the first three months of the semester semester is only four months long so it's most of the But, like, to help get me through, I know we've talked a lot about awful teachers and weird teachers, but I had this teacher in the fourth grade named Miss Ono, and she was the first Asian American teacher I'd ever had. She was uh, Japanese from Hawaii, and she, that alone made a big difference, just to see someone who looked like you know, my people who shuffled her feet the way my mom did in the house, you know, who had similar eating practices and ways of speaking and talking with the world, all of that cultural stuff. But she also seemed to be the first teacher who, even though I was silent, she still noticed me. I remember she called my mom in for a conference uh, because I was gripping my pencil so hard that I was getting calluses on my finger. And I was ripping the paper because I was trying so hard to... I think this is when we were learning cursive. So I was trying so hard to get it perfectly that I was literally breaking everything down, even my own body. <laughs> so she calls my mom in for a conference. And my mom is like, what the fuck is she intruding on my privacy and wear too much red lipstick? So she was mad about everything. But it made a big impression on me because it's like this teacher is noticing me. Like, and she cares. Like, she wants to help me get better. So she was showing my mom ways that we could deal with it and maybe reduce some of my anxiety about schoolwork and whatnot. But the kicker was at Christmas time, she invited me and my friend Juana to her house. And I know this is like against so many laws now. But the 80s, woo, wild and free, just snort that cocaine and do what you want. Um, she invited us to her house to make Christmas cookies. Aww. And I didn't even know that making Christmas cookies was something that you could do. 
I thought it was just something you bought at the store. And, you know, I never had those at home. So I was like, wait, you can make them and like you can decorate them however you want. And it was just such a nice experience to go to her home that had shoes at the door, that had the rice cooker on and all of these tropical fruits on the table. And then do this very American luxurious thing of making Christmas cookies. And she was just so nice and so welcoming and so when I get overwhelmed with teaching I honestly still to this day think about Miss Ono. It's been 30 years since I've been in her class but she really sticks with me so even when students are not doing what they need to do I try to remember her and be like just show love like just make this Christmas cookie today like let go of people eyeing your hunchback it'll be okay if you just show them love so I guess that's a a positive thing to end on because our our podcast is very negative and uncomfortable but I know positivity makes us uncomfortable too mm-hmm. so Miss Ono I hope wherever she is she's doing well because I loved her so much that's nice what is your advice to help people as they begin the new school year Alara how do you prove these uncomfortable moments yes well it's I like mentioned before we started like I'm kind of going to a new school too so it's kind of I'm in that space now um congratulations on your new position you superstar thank you um so yeah I'm very much uncomfortable like I have a lot of anxiety of just like the unknown it's a new like environment it's new people it's just like a whole new arena and so I am just a little bit comforted that I know some people in the new space um but I always like to be very prepared so I always like to (laughs) go to the school like before it's even necessary and just like look to see where everything is or like where the main like monuments are so that on the first day I kind of know where I'm going and I'm not lost um and then oh my what? you know do you have this recurring nightmare of going to campus and getting lost or going in the wrong room that is always my fear I have it every year this time of year same okay yeah. Scout the monuments. Okay, sorry, I interrupted. No, yeah, that's literally has always been right. Like, even going to work now, <laughs> like, I've been there for, like, six years, but whenever there's, like, a new, like, room number or something, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I need to go, like, hours before just to stake it out, just to make sure it's there and to double check. Um, So this is going to be a whole new campus, <laughs> and it's so much bigger. <laughs> Our campus literally has six rooms on it. I know. <laughs> And I still am just like, is that, is this the correct room? And I've been in it like multiple times. Um, but yeah, I would say just be uber prepared and take deep breaths. <laughs> and honestly, this is my advice to you, but this will apply to other people too, is that in the time I've known you, Allura, you have grown into so many new positions and I've seen you have that anxiety throughout those transitions and these new challenges 
But as soon as you're in them, you flourish because you're so observant and you're so hardworking and just very diligent, not only in the, the mental and intellectual work of it, but in getting to know people and finding your dynamic within a team. So that transition period is so fleeting and temporary. And I've seen you do it multiple times. This is just another iteration of that. So three months from now, you're not even going to sweat these things that you're sweating now. So just trust in that, that we're so adaptable. Your neuroplasticity or your, you know, trauma-fueled <laughs> ability to read people and adjust and work <laughs> hard. All of that is going to serve you well and you're going to do amazing. And another thing, if you're worried about these negative moments, these embarrassing things that might happen... No one fucking remembers. I mean, <laughs> like, no one. Everything that we've talked about this episode is stuff that happened to us. It's not like we don't remember all these little things that happened to other people. So, other people don't remember all this stuff that happened to us. So, nobody's really watching. So, you can kind of take comfort in that anonymity that people are just wrapped up in their own shit. So, that's kind of freeing in a way when. Yeah. You notice that nobody's really watching. And that's all I wanted is for no one to be watching me. The end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we go, we're going to do a little um, fun game, as we often like to do on the podcast. And since this is a back-to-school episode, we have a little assessment quiz. Because, you know, one of the most uncomfortable things about going back to school is when the teacher's like, okay, we need to figure out how much of a dumbass you are. Here's some questions. So, Allura, what yep. is largest organ inside of your body and I say inside because I know you're gonna say dick and that's not right <laughs> it's not <laughs> this is a family podcast um I was thinking of the skin but that's like outside your body correct <laughs> He's the director, people. <laughs> yes, inside your body. What is the... So, I... I don't know. Take us through your process, because I think it'll be fun to hear your thought process. Would it be your large intestine? And why would you say that? Because it's... <laughs> it has large attached to it. <laughs> She's an analytical thinker, people. Sign her up for Jeopardy. <laughs> or the lungs. Because there's two of them and I feel like they take up a lot of space in your, your chest area. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Are you a doctor? When did you go to med school? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's actually the liver. Really? Yes. Your I thought it was a- like so tiny. No, your liver's really big. I think oh. it- <laughs> it's the thing that you ingest and filtering everything out. So it's pretty huge. I thought that was the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to edit all of this. <laughs> so I just 
<laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I'm gonna edit in a, like a a clip of you saying liver right away. <laughs> like, <"Hey." laughs> oh my gosh! Do you know? Want to know? So I was born with a liver disease. <laughs> And, um, so that's why I never got like a slut era, (laughs) you know, in school, like this is back to school. This is thematically related. There was always, you know, people who were sexually freewheeling and I never got to do that because I was so sick all the time. Um, but maybe I just say that because I'm scared of wieners. But yeah, I wish I had a slut era. Okay, do you have a question for me? Um, yes, I looked this up. Um, Good. <laughs> <laughs> it has to it has to go with our school theme. But how many would you say students are affected by sexual misconduct by their school teachers? And by affected, you mean they're the victim of some yeah. kind of sexual molestation or abuse? Yeah. Or harassment, I guess. Would it be included verbal, right? All of it is included, I would say. Um, 97.6% because the rest of them are too ugly. That is correct, yes. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah! You know, <laughs> I mean, sexual predators, this is the one of the worst, most disgusting things that happens in our society. Mm-hmm. When I worked, I, I used to work at a news station for an investigative news team. And we did, this was when um, To Catch a Predator was really big on, on TV. To Catch a Predator. Yeah, so I didn't work for that show, but I worked for a competing network. So we would try to keep up with them, especially during sweeps months. So a lot of my research and a lot of the hours of tapes I would have to go through would be about sexual predators and all of these terrible, abusive stories. It was just awful. And I would be nauseous, sorry, nauseated. Um, all day at work having to deal with all this stuff and look at so many pictures of dicks and so many messages to underage girls. It was really awful and a very dark glimpse into humanity. But my boss at the time, she said something really interesting. Uh, And she was like, you know, I know it's really dark and it's really hard to think about how often this happens and how many girls and women are violated. But whenever I interview these perpetrators, I always try to think that they were a victim too. Because more often than not, someone who does this learned it because it was done to them. And so I try to remember that. That was one thing I learned from working in news. And then one night I was working late going through some tapes and one of the news anchors came up and gave me a massage. Unwarranted. (laughs) he said ew your hands are so little (laughs) 
he never touched me again. I never know where your stories are going to lead. And I'm always so (laughs) shocked and um, surprised. And I love the endings always. Thank you. (laughs) They're just unexpected. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Okay, what is the actual percentage? It was 10%, but that's just, like, on actual um, people who've, like, reported it. So, of course, it's going to be a higher percentage of students that have been affected by sexual misconduct by a teacher. Mm. Yeah, so many people stay silent about that. Yeah. That is very sad. I That would be, oh, my God, that so traumatizing. Um, <laughs> I want to tell all the stories about molesters now, but I'm not going to because this is a long episode. <laughs> but she got stories. <laughs> okay, my question for you. This is very important. It's a geography question. Oh, I'm terrible at geography. Great. Okay. In which were the most serial killers born? Interesting. All your friends. I would... I, oh, this is an interesting question because. <laughs> you think it was some like backwoods area kind of. That's where I my would, My guess would either be on one of the coasts. That narrows it down. <laughs> what are we talking here? Are we going Little Rhode Island? Are we going... Florida and all no, the- I would say like the most populated areas in either of the coasts because we know that's where most of serial killer activity happens okay so do you want to go east coast or west coast um let's go with east coast Okay. But also, like, at the same time, like, the whole, like, middle America, I feel like that's also could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Super creepy out there. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know what the culture is out there, but I feel like there's not much to do. Yeah. So- <laughs> well, open places, too. Yeah. You know? And so, like, I feel like there goes for, like, a lot of experimentation of, like, weird like not normal behaviors and so I'm not really sure but I feel like it happens everywhere in the states just from our culture and like all that stuff so I don't know what is the answer (laughs) that was a very long-winded explanation to nowhere you know the only positive thing about the middle states is that your hotness level goes up by about four points yeah maybe points because i'm like at best a three in california but ooh, oklahoma honey i'm rocking that seven and a half everybody peace so maybe a serial killer would choose me out there um it's new york okay yeah and i don't have the names of all the serial killers who were born there but it's a new york california and then texas okay so, so- i was i was right on the coasts um, on the coasts doesn't mean New York. Well, I was thinking California, obviously, because that's where a lot of, like, the Night Stalker, like, the, uh, where is it, Golden Gate Killer, like, 
so many different serial killers are in California and then also like in New York because it's a big dense city. I find your post rationalization to be cheating and F minus. <laughs> so we've both failed our our quizzes, our assessments. But so. I've never been good at tests. I get severe test anxiety. Yes. Me too. Yeah, so how did we get here? How how do we work at colleges? I don't I don't know. I think college is a scam. <laughs> Flip that and send it to your new boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so to wrap up today, I wanted to encourage our listeners to do something very different because Allura and I share in common so many things, but one of them is that we think that everybody hates us mm-hmm. and that the more they learn about us, the higher the fury burns. So it is really shocking and pleasing, but also unsettling and scary when people actually tell us that they like us and enjoy listening to us talk. And I just wanted to share that we got a very complimentary email from someone who's very smart and well-traveled and very intellectual who is a professor of religious studies, no less. What? And said he listened to the our episode on religion and really enjoyed our stories and that they are going to stick with him for a long time. Which maybe is kind of a compliment that could go either way, but I'm going to choose to take it as complimentary. Yeah. Because he took the time to write it. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, if you have things to say to us, please let us know because... Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll share it here. Maybe we'll choose you. Maybe you will be the student that we choose to touch on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's back to school. You got to practice writing. So send us a message. So, yeah. With that, Allura, you want to bring us home? Yes. Um, so please write us if you like it. And if you don't like our podcast, keep it to yourself. Um, but follow us on Instagram (laughs) at TMMU podcast. And we look forward to your feedback. It won't necessarily change anything about what we do say or think or feel, but, um, it's just nice to hear compliments. Um, so until next time, make good choices. Have a good school year. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.